That phone call changed my life. I will never forget it. She's saying I have muscular dystrophy. What? What is that? What are you saying? It was like she was speaking a different language. everybody. Welcome back to Tales from the Journey. I am Stephanie Zamora and today I am so excited. We have Keisha Greaves, who is the founder of Girls Chronically Rock. After being diagnosed with muscular dystrophy in 2010, she started her own line of t-shirts to inspire others with chronic illnesses to have confidence in themselves and not let their disability define who they are. She is an incredible human. I feel so honored to have her here today. Keisha, thank you so much for taking the time. Hi, I am so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Yeah, I would love to start with you sharing a bit more about yourself and what it is that you do. Sure. Well, I'm Keisha and I am the CEO and founder of Girls Chronically Rock Clothing Brand. Girls Chronically Rock Clothing Brand was founded in 2017 to help inspire, help and create, inspire and motivate others in the disability community because I myself live with a disability called muscular dystrophy where it pretty much deteriorate your muscles over time and weekends as you get older. So what made me wanted to create that is that I always had a passion for fashion. And I actually got my undergraduate degree from Framingham State University, fashion design and merchandising. So of course, as you know, life honestly takes a turn like the crazy world we're living in now with this pandemic. And it was actually after I graduated from Framingham, I took about a year off and I went to graduate school in around like 2008, 2009. And that's when I started to get really weird symptoms within my body that led me to my diagnosis. And those symptoms were just kind of honestly out of nowhere. Um, I would honestly just be walking and my leg kind of just gave out on me. Um, and it was like when I fell, I wasn't able to get myself back up. I was kind of like pretty much like a dead weight. It was like the most weirdest thing. So it just kind of kept on happening. The first couple of times I'm like, okay, maybe I just need to exercise, lose some weight, no big deal. But it was like the final time when I was at the supermarket with my mom and sister, where I kind of like, you know, had that last fall. And it was like pretty much like that dead weight. It was like I could not get myself back up. My mom and sister could not get me up. And it was like, I remember it was like a strange man. He came over, very nice guy. And he was like, do you need help? And that's how I was able to get up off the floor. So it was like at that moment, I felt like my body just like betrayed me. Yeah. And it was like at that moment when my mom was like, you know, I think it's time we go see a doctor. That makes a lot of sense. That must have been really scary. I yes. What we like to do on this show is really kind of talk through the journeys that we go through in life. And there's so many different journeys that we experience, challenging chapters, big life transitions. And this is certainly a great example of that. I would love if you could share a bit about who you were before, like what life looked like, what your plans were, and just who was Keisha before this diagnosis? Sure. Well, Keisha, you know, I was just living my best life in high school. I was able to, you know, walk up five flights of stairs, you know, so just kind of looking back, it's like what you really take for granted. I used to play softball in elementary school. So sometimes I even think about that looking back like, wow, like I used to be able to run from base to base. Like I would kill to just be able to do that now. Even when I was at Framingham, I used to walk up those. I was on the third floor. I used to walk up the stairs with laundry because I brought home my laundry home every weekend for my mom to do. And then I brought home like groceries. So, you know, just looking back, like, wow, I lugged all of that up all those stairs. So, yeah, I was just like, you know, happy person. But I always had a passion for fashion, even from the time I was younger. I mean, I looked up to designers such as Kimora Lisa Mintz from her baby fat stage. I love Betsy Johnson, her quirkiness and her colorfulness and prints. And then I also looked up to designers Tommy Hilfiger. So I always just wanted to follow in their paths and always just dreamed of collaborating with them one day. 
and I'm hoping so still, but you know, I was just like, you know, living my life. And as you can imagine, when I was diagnosed in my early twenties, I was living my life in college, going out to parties, you know, <laughs> having a great time. So of course you can only imagine it's like to hear that. It's like, where did that come from? But you know, I was just, you know, living my life. I love spending time with family and friends, going out to eat, having a drink, of course, going shopping. I still do that. That's my problem. And so, but yeah, I was just pretty much, you know, just living my life and just doing things like I, like a normal person would at that time. Our twenties, I feel like are such a magical, messy, chaotic, informative time. Like we're out there in the world, just becoming adults and and figuring out what we want to do with our lives. What was, what was the experience for you going through getting the diagnosis and what was your emotional response to all of that? Sure. I mean, it was a lot, you know, as, as you can only imagine. But like I said, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer. But at the time when I was actually in graduate school, I had a totally business plan written out. It was still wanting to own my own fashion business. But at the time, I was actually naming it after my grandmother, um, Millie Eileen. So it was like a total different perspective, but still in the fashion. You know, so of course, when I got that phone call that day from the doctor saying, Keisha, we got your test results back. You have muscular dystrophy. I'm just like, what is she talking about? You know, I totally shut down because I'm thinking, well, she had to call the wrong patient. Maybe she got the test results mixed up. Maybe she called me by accident, you know, but I knew deep down inside something wasn't right. So like most of us do, we I run to Google, start researching what is muscular dystrophy? What is that? And, you know, just like, of course, not reading such great things. There's no cure. There's no treatment. You know, it um, mostly fix, affects people at young age. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's not me. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in my 20s. You know, so I'm reading all of that. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what does my future hold? What is going to happen? Like, am I going to be able to pursue my fashion dreams? So, of course, all of that was going in my head. I wasn't really telling friends or family what was going on with me. It's like I just totally shut down. So it's like it, it was a lot. It was I was in total denial, even working at merchandising at that time. You know, I started to use a cane eventually because, you know, they said it would progress. So the cane helped me with my balance. And even when I went to work, you know, they would say, oh, what happened? I would say, oh, I sprained my ankle or I was in a car accident. You know, I said everything but because just saying that sounded better than actually saying and acknowledging that I had muscular dystrophy. Denial is such a such a prominent theme when we go through just all these different experiences, especially the ones that come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and especially when there's grief involved. How long did that denial stage last for you? Oh, my. I think it. I tell people I feel like I just came out of denial like the other day. I mean, it was like, you know, it was a lot. And like I tell people, I'm like, yes, you may see me cheerful and chatting and smiling, but it's like I still have my days and I want people to know that. And no, like, yeah, you may see me happy today, but at night I may sometimes just cry. So yeah, it totally took a while. It was actually one day when my friend was like, why don't you write a blog, share about your symptoms? And I'm like, why would I do that? Because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I don't have muscular dystrophy. So why would I write about it? That's how much in denial I was. But one day I did decide to open my laptop and I just started writing and kind of sharing. And it was like at that moment when I was writing and saying everything out loud, I'm like, wow, I have muscular dystrophy. That's crazy. It was like, it took that moment. Never mind what the doctors were saying. I was like, wow, I have muscular dystrophy. So that kind of opened the door a little bit. And then I kind of just, you know, posted it. I remember on Tumblr, I posted it on Facebook and I got such great support and so much feedback of like, I mean, people I chatted to on the regular basis, they're like, Keisha, I didn't even know. 
you know, because like, how would you? Because even back then, it's like looking at me, you couldn't tell I had a disability because I was able to stand, walk, et cetera. But, you know, it definitely just kind of opened the door a little bit. And then um, thank goodness I say I feel thank goodness for social media because I use a lot of hashtags too at that time, like hashtag disability awareness, hashtag muscular dystrophy. And it was like I met a whole new range of other people that have muscular dystrophy that look like me. And I thought that was so important. And I'm like, wow, look at her or him. He's doing it. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I'm, it's not just me. And then I joined support groups on Facebook, like living with limb girdle muscular dystrophy, because that's the particular type I have. And, you know, just to hear so many other stories like mine, where they were also diagnosed at a later age, I'm like, wow, so this is something common. That's beautiful. There's something, it's so true. I love that you shared that about writing it and putting it out there and saying it out loud. I know for me, I had a traumatic loss. A suicide loss was was my big challenging chapter. And there were times when I was deep in my grief that I would walk around my apartment and I would just all of a sudden I would stop and be like, he's dead. He's gone. He killed himself. And there's something about even just saying that to myself out loud outside of my body that like allowed it to be real and sink in. And it's it's kind of amazing how even if we know on a deep level that something is true and happening, like it takes a while to really get all of us on board and be like, no, this is real. This is what's happening. Yeah, it's true. Did you have, so you had the denial. Did you have any other of the stages of grief, um, be it anger or sadness or just anything else that came up with that? Um, Yeah, definitely had grief, anger, sadness. And I feel like I still have that to this day. Thursday, December 8th, I still have that. I mean, I was talking to my therapist about that earlier. And it's like, you know, because I feel like Sometimes, like I tell people, it's like I lived kind of like two worlds. Like before this, I had a whole able-bodied life. Now I'm a part of, yeah, this awesome community, this disability community where I have a whole new perspective on things and opened up my eyes to my friends, my family, and a whole new look on fashion, you know, with adaptive fashion. So I'm a true believer in things do happen for a reason. But, you know, yeah, sometimes I look back like, whoa, like, what is that all about? You know, where did it come from? Because nobody in my family seems to have it. I tease my mom to this day. I'm like, was I switched at birth? (laughs) So I just like to tease her. I'm like, what's going on? So yeah, I still have my moments. It's still a lot. Having to rely on my caregiver, that can be exhausting, full of anger, sadness. So it's like, it's a lot. Like I tell people I'm a friend. I'm like, I still have my days. Don't let, you know, my Instagram page fool you. Like I still have my days. I'm so grateful that you share that. It's so important that we are honest about None of these seasons that we go through that are challenging, that change the trajectory of our lives, especially when it's an ongoing situation like a chronic illness, it's hard. And when you're in the business, which you are of inspiring and empowering and supporting others and and still working to live your best life and integrate all of that together, I think it's easy for people to forget that there are still days that we're a hot mess. (laughs) And yeah. <laughs> and we fall apart and we struggle and we're mad and we're pissed off. And, and it just, there is no, I don't feel like there's ever any turning point. And with a lot of things, you know, I think a lot about my trauma and my grief. There are still seven years later, it's December. It's the season of my loss. I'm still a mess. I'm still a mess. I still have brain fog. I still have triggers. I still break down and cry. And it's so important to share that because otherwise people feel like, 
I must be doing it wrong. Like, look at Keisha. She's all happy on Instagram. Like, there must be something wrong with me that I can't feel happy. And it's like, no, no, no. (laughs) It's all of it. Right. It's so true. It's like, don't let the social media fool you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Social media is so bad. So you mentioned using social media and hashtags and beginning to find other people in the community. And you mentioned working with your therapist and in journey mapping, which is the work that a lot of this podcast that I do is based around. We talk a lot about mentors and that can be internal mentors. It can be external mentors. It can be spiritual. It can be communities. What are some of the mentors or relationships or support systems that have helped you the most? Um, yeah, I would say that's mostly back to social media. Um, different people I've connected with that I still chat with, like we build a bond and friendship to this day. So I love to chat with them. Either it's on Instagram, we exchange numbers on my support group on Facebook, you know, and we had like a limb girdle muscular dystrophy conference two years back where it was so nice to kind of see everybody and meet everybody in person. So that was even more awesome. We hung out, had a great time. And, you know, cause I'm like, I'm with the people who get it. They know what it's like. And it's like, I always say, yes, I get the support of family and friends. But there's nothing, and I mean nothing like talking to somebody who gets and knows what it's like living with muscular dystrophy every day. You know, knowing we don't know what our body's going to feel like, what it wants to do. So I've been, I've connected with so many awesome people because I'm like, they get it. I mean, I can go to the group now and I vent and I'm like, oh my gosh, these your caregivers get on your nerves like mine. <laughs> and then so many are like, yeah. <laughs> this girl was like, I had to start counseling because of my PCA. And I'm like, see, so I'm just like, all right, it's not like good we have to deal with it. But it's good to know, like, all right, it's not just me because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like they would drive me crazy. And just amongst other things, like, you know, being able to sucks not to walk anymore. And, you know, but social media, I would say very grateful for that with the support groups and the hashtags. And now on Instagram, you can follow different hashtags, which I love. So then I can see all updates, meet and correspond with new people. So that has been totally awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And I agree. I mean. I think there's a lot of people, especially when they're not in the situation that you're going through that need or want you to be positive and to not be negative and to not, you know, they don't know what to say because they don't have any understanding of the experience itself. And so it's so beneficial. And I found this in in my experiences as well with trauma and grief in particular and, and healing from some of my own health issues as a result of that. People that have been there and actually understand there's so much healing to be had and being able to say however you feel because you can't say it to certain people otherwise they get triggered or uncomfortable or they want to help you but they don't know how and they accidentally make it worse and and so yeah and and social media for all of the awful that it can contain is a great place to find community yeah agreed What role, if you're open to talking about it, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with mental health as a conversation and getting support for it. What role has therapy played for you? Um, definitely has helped. Like, it's kind of nice talking to somebody. And people sometimes ask, like, what, what is the difference between talking to a therapist opposed to, like, say, your own family and friends? And I'm like, you know, that's a great question. And it's like, at first, maybe I just, I don't know, I couldn't answer it then. But it's like, I don't know, but it is a difference. Just talking to somebody who I guess can't judge me, doesn't know me, doesn't know my story and just venting and them just listening and giving great feedback is just, I don't know, it's just a difference. I tell people, I'm like, it helps. And I'm like, I would definitely recommend it if you feel like you need it because I feel like it helps me. I wish I can talk to minds every day. 
you know, but it definitely has helped. And again, just having that support of the support group, I feel like has definitely helped the mental health because I can just go to them, whether it be the friends, you know, that I chat with on my um, iPhone or the group on Facebook, and I can just go and vent and they would get it. You know, they're not going to judge me. They would say, oh, hey, yeah, I, I've been there. You know, people don't get it, but we do. So all of that has definitely played a role. And, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like finding the right therapist makes a huge difference too. <laughs> yes, it does. Because I've had some sucky ones. Yes. The, ones I've had, the one I have now, I would say I, I totally like her. <laughs> Good. Yay. Yes. <laughs> right. I would love to hear about something that you keep saying is that you've always had a passion for fashion. And I love that you you stayed the course with that. And I would be so curious to hear what that looked like. Did you ever at any point feel doubt or deterred or like, I can't do the things that I want, so I shouldn't even pursue this? Or was it just an easy pivot for you to say, I'm still going to do this, but now it's going to look a different way? Oh, yeah, it was totally a hard pivot. Because like I said, that phone call changed my life. I'll never forget it. She's saying I have muscular dystrophy. What? What is that? What are you saying? It was like she was speaking a different language. So, and as I said, I had this whole business plan written out. So, of course, I'm like, I didn't know what the future hold, what was going to happen. I'm not reading great things on, you know, Facebook, Google, when I'm researching muscular dystrophy. So, it was a lot because I'm just like, what is going to happen? She just told me I had muscular dystrophy. So, of course, I'm just like, I, I wasn't sure. But after I came out of denial and I started blogging and, you know, sharing my symptoms, I, as I mentioned, I sometimes say I'm a true, I'm one of those that I'm a true believer that um, things happen for a reason. Cause I sometimes feel like, well, maybe, you know, I got it maybe cause I'm handling it. And like I said, I still have um, my days. Cause I feel like if it was like probably my sister or someone else in the family, they, they wouldn't be able to handle what I do with on a daily basis. Let me just say that. So, um, but yeah, but I was like, you know what? I was like, it's time to start putting my fashion degree to use. And most of my creative ideas come to like my mind when I'm sleeping. That's in most of my ideas. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time to maybe create something to help inspire and motivate others in the disability community. Because I'm a huge fan. I love wearing graphic t-shirts, as you can see. And I just love anything with like inspirational quotes. I love cutting up my shirts, tie-dyeing them, bleaching them. And so that's when kind of like the Girls Chronically Rock all formed. And I was like, you know, why not start with a t-shirt line? You know, because I'm like, I love that. And how I came up with the name Girls Chronically Rock is that I knew I wanted something with the word chronic in it for chronic illnesses, but I didn't know exactly how I wanted to incorporate that. So I honestly, again, was lying in bed one night. I was sleeping and it just kind of formed in my head. I said, girl, I just said, girls chronically rock. And I was like, I like that. It was like, I like the way it sounded. I like the way it flowed. It sounded empowering. And then I just kind of went with it from there. And then I remember I first started selling my t-shirts on Etsy. But yeah, so I always had a a passion for fashion, but like, of course, getting that news, I had muscular dystrophy. Of course, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I'm like, maybe now this is my new path to, you know, bring fashion to a whole new way of life, you know, because it's like, now I know about adaptive fashion. Now I'm creating adaptive, accessible clothing for people with disabilities. So it's like my whole new perspective and vision has changed, but still within the fashion industry. That's beautiful. I love that so much. And Something I talk a lot about is how life is always shaping us. I'm, a, I'm very passionate about purpose. Purpose is my purpose and everything that I do in my business, all of it centers around helping people live their purpose, which is really just being your most fully expressed self in your life and in your work. And 
it's fascinating to watch and hear about other people's journeys because mine was very similar. You know, I was on a certain trajectory with my work, helping people find their passions and build a life and business around it. And then had this incredibly traumatic loss, which led to PTSD, which I ended up in an abusive relationship. And then I had all these health issues and my business failed. It was like this just horrible dark night of the soul this whole season. But I came back to my path, like what I was here to do in the world, only it was different. It was shaped so deeply by everything that I had been through. And so I love I love hearing other stories that just reinforce that idea that we're always being shaped by everything that we go through. And our purpose stays there. Like your fashion, your passion for fashion didn't go away. It just evolved with you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What was the process like of getting started? I know that you obviously had your education and background was in fashion, but what did it look like for you to actually start creating the t-shirts and getting them out there? Definitely a work in progress. I feel like I still learn each and every day to this day about the business, learning new things. But I would say I first reached out, I found like a graphic designer. And even looking back, I was looking back at old photos and just to see the old logo I had before, I'm like, oh, yeah, I wasn't like too fond of it. It's like I liked it, but I'm just like, I'm so glad I changed it because I knew it wasn't like something that represented me. So it was so interesting to kind of go back and look at my old logos and different things I had. And I was like, oh, but I was like, look how much, and you know, far along I came. So it was nice to see that. But, you know, having to get a graphic designer because I'm so not tech savvy. Um, mm-hmm. I was so glad I reached out to my friend I went to high school with because he's good with like, you know, graphic design, building websites. So I'm so grateful for him. He helped me for my logo into what it is today, which I love. He listened to my vision, the colors I want. And he helped me build my website. And I must say, I I learned a lot I'm better now at the website. I can go in and, you know, <laughs> do different things. Still not 100%, but better than what I was before. And I must say, I love Shopify because whenever I need something, I'm like, I call that 800 number. And I'm like, what? How do I do this? <laughs> so I'm grateful for Shopify as well. But, you know, it's just a process. And, you know, in finding a vendor that wants to print my shirts. Like I've been working with a company out here in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where, you know, if I need some shirts or orders, sweatshirts, hats, you know, she's been pretty awesome, you know, and so I'm, I'm still with her to this day. And so, but if I don't um, sometimes hear from her or if she's away, I sometimes get an um, order from Vistaprint because I had a long relationship with them for like years. So um, I was getting discounts and promo codes. So I'm like, hey, thanks, Vistaprint. <laughs> so, you know, I'm glad to have that relationship with them as well. But it's definitely a lot. Like earlier this year, I launched an adaptive swimwear line. So I was working with a manufacturer out of Canada. So that can be exhausting because you're not physically there, you know, seeing the product, feeling it, um, knowing what it is. You're just going really by pictures, video calls. So it's still a work in progress. I still learn a lot to this day, but I'm still going to, you know, it's a learning experience. Like, you know, because I'm like, I know, all right, well, I work with this vendor again. Maybe I won't, you know, I'll try somebody else, maybe somebody more closer. Maybe it's worth it to spend the money to work with the manufacturer right in my own town. You know, because you just want to make sure it's right. Like I said, this Girls Fantasy Rock is not just a side hustle. This is my my life. This is my baby. I'm looking to build a Girls Chronically Rock empire. And I want to come up with a whole adaptive clothing collection. And I'm hoping to get Tommy Hilfiger's attention. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Put it out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love all of that. I would love to hear a bit more, too, about how you started getting customers or growing your audience or getting in front of people? What did that look like for you? It was definitely a work in progress. I think just kind of blogging definitely helped. 
Because I noticed people love just to hear your stories and stories they can relate to and connection. And I think once I got like that new logo and kind of more represented me and then, you know, I was flashing it more. Once I launched the website, you know, promoting that, um, blogging, and then being a part of the Muscular Dystrophy Association that has connected me with other, you know, great people. Like I was able to meet a reporter, Nicole, from ABC Chronicle out here in Boston, Mass. So that was pretty awesome where she came to my apartment, did a story on me. And just from that being featured, that led to sales, you know, for Girls Chronically Rock. So, you know, I'm sure as you know, once you get like that feature or you're featured on something, that brings more attraction. And they're like, oh, my God, I love your story. Or I love getting messages like, you know, oh, my mom has muscular dystrophy or my friend has lupus and I want to get a T-shirt to support of her. And I love that because, you know, like I tell people I can still doubt myself with my business. There's some days, like I said, living with muscular dystrophy, I don't know what the body's going to feel like. If I'm going to be able to get out of bed, there's days when the piece, my caregivers come and I'm like, you know, 10, 15 more minutes. I'm so exhausted, you know, so it's I definitely can still doubt myself. Am I going to be able to build that empire I want? Am I going to get Tommy Hilfiger's attention? You know, but when I get those like messages or even like responses from you, like honored, like that, I want to be on their podcast. They want me on their podcast. I'm like me, little old me. So then I just that just definitely keeps me inspired and motivated. Like, you know, Keisha, people want to hear your story. They understand your mission. and. And I'm grateful for that. And that's what keeps me going. It's so true. Like to anyone listening, if you have someone whose work you love, tell them. It makes all the difference. Like so often we entrepreneurs have our heads down and we're so in it. We're so in the day to day and the growing and the struggles that it's like we forget how like how much we've done and how much we've accomplished. And it helps so much to hear from people that your work is making an impact. So I love that. Yes. Thank you. A big thing that we talk about with journey mapping and with going through challenging chapters and big life transition is faith. And faith means something to something different to everyone. And so I would love to know what your relationship to faith is as a concept, as a practice, and how it's supported you throughout throughout all of this. Well, I would say faith with me definitely varies. I would say my family is more I guess in it than I am, but you know, then sometimes I, I'm very, very heavy in it. Like, I'm like, oh, I have faith. Like, I'm going to get that, that email response from, you know, this vendor I was trying to get in, trying to like a, a mixture of faith, but then also I've been very into manifestation, you know, like, oh, well, let me manifest this. But, you know, there are some days maybe I may say, like, oh, yeah, I don't believe in it. No, I'm, I don't have it. But then deep down, you know, when I'm in bed at night, I'm like, I think about that and I'm like, I have to have that faith that. Things are going to go my way. I'm going to go in my vision. It may take time. There's going to be bumps in the roads, but maybe all of this is obstacles to get to where I need to be at the end. So, yeah. So I guess it's like we have a love-hate relationship. (laughs) (laughs) I love the honesty of that. It's so true. I was actually just having a conversation with a client the other day, and we were talking about faith and how easy it is to energize fear and doubt. Like we're That's just how we're wired as humans. Our subconscious is like, trying to keep an eye out for all the threats and things we should be afraid of and aware of. And it it's, it's so scared of change that it's like we're habituated towards worrying and, and fear and doubt. And it's so natural and normal that that's going to be there. But fear and faith, they're the same thing. They're both belief in the unseen. Yeah. And so it's like, I have the same thing. You know, I've been at this business for over a decade and I still have fear, especially when I'm making changes and going through growth. And it's this constant exactly. practice of, okay, I'm energizing something that may or may not happen. Why don't I energize something in the vein of faith? (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. I agree with you 100%. It's like a mixture of both. Yeah. And love-hate relationship is a perfect way to describe it. (laughs) Yes, it's true. And manifestation is something I've been learning a lot more about. And and I've been learning about it from the perspective of raising our self-worth in order to feel deserving of the things that we want. But I would love to hear more about what manifestation looks like for you and what your process and practice is. Um, Yeah. So it's like I'm still a beginner. I kind of just feel like I do want like a manifestation, like kind of coach to guide me like every day. But I just recently joined this group. So it's like I'm learning tips in from there. And this other girl I follow on social media, like she said, she manifested like her man getting a husband and everything. And I'm like, wow, like all of that. Although a husband's not on my top priority, I'm more like focused on my business. But I'm like, you know, maybe that stuff does work. So I just kind of like more like kind of believe like my TV would be off, candles burning and just kind of like say it either out loud or to myself. But then I've also been very much into burning sage. Too. So as I'm like burning that and like, you know, I'm in my wheelchair burning that around the house, like my PCA will be there. And then I'm just kind of like saying it to myself, like, you know, things I want to manifest, like especially in the new year 2022. So, yeah, I'm just like, it, it definitely feels good that when I do it. So I'm just like thinking positive, like, all right, that's going to happen. I'm not saying if I'm saying like now I, I notice I correct myself and I say when that happens, when I open my store, when I collaborate with Tommy Hilfiger. So kind of that thing I'm trying to change the wording. Yeah, <laughs> it makes a huge difference because when you're saying when this happens, you start to engage with the world from a place of like, I am a person who is going to experience this. And like, it just shifts everything. Yeah, it really does. What would you say to, you know, there are so many different experiences that people can have in life that are thrust upon them. So, you know, some things we see coming, some things we might even choose, but there are a handful of experiences that we can have in this life that are completely out of our control. And they're not things that we chose or would have chosen. And they're things that are just thrust upon us or happen as a result of, of who knows what sometimes. What would you share with people who are going through that experience? Because, and and I've had some of my own as well, but things that it's so frustrating, you know, it's so frustrating and it can be hard to move out of the grief. It can be hard to move out of the anger, the denial, and it can actually be really difficult to embrace like this. This is my life now. This is, this is who I am. This is what life is going to look like. These are things that I could still do. And these are things that I can no longer do. What advice or words of wisdom or some of your own personal insights or experiences would you share with people who are at the beginning of that journey? Sure. And I get asked this question a lot. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, that's not really a tough question, but I'm like, everybody, all of us deal with things in different ways, as you can only imagine. It's like, we all deal with things differently. So I'm like, I can't like say, give the best advice to somebody like, oh yeah, you'll be fine. Like how I'll say it would say, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll deal with it. Take it day by day because no, it's not that easy. So stop saying that. It's like, like you said, we, we have no control. It's like, I didn't wake up one day and was like, you know what? Let me get that muscular dystrophy. Let me get that. Let me get that progressive chronic muscle disease that, you know, will stay with me for life. Let me get that. It's like things like this that just come on us. We have no choice. It's like just out of nowhere. Like I tell people from living with this experience, I'm like, your life can change in the less than 24 hours. You can wake up tomorrow and it's like your body, your mind could be in a totally different way. But from what I've experienced, I say like, try connecting with others that understand and know what you're going through. 
whether it be, you know, like grief, um, you know, losing somebody in the family, because I know I've had, you know, anything like recently being diagnosed with a disability, a chronic illness. Because, you know, there's some people that I've seen on social media, like they just get results from a doctor today of being diagnosed with something and they start a YouTube channel. And I'm like, wow, like that's dope. Like, you know, good for them, because I'm like, that surely wasn't me. You know, and I, I respect that. It's like we all deal with things differently. I'm like, like I said, I feel like I just came out of denial the other day, but kind of helping and connecting with other people that understand and know what I'm going through. That's the only option that, you know, I feel like helps, you know, so I kind of feel like that's the great perspective, you know, to look at, like, you know, connect with others who understand and know what you're going through. Don't just, you know, it, it just, it definitely takes a lot. Absolutely. But I would say, you know, take it day by day, you know, like, and just go with the flow. But definitely connecting with others that understand and know what you're going through is a huge, huge help. And just take it day by day, blog, make a video if you want. But, you know, it, it definitely takes time. It's not an easy road to just get a diagnosis or going, just losing a sibling or something right there. Like, you know, in an instant, it's like you can't tell somebody when to get over that. It's going to take time. Yeah, there's no right path and there's no right timeline. No. No, we just got to take it day by day. Yeah. What are some practices or just things you do, whether they're with yourself internally or with other people to really weather the harder days? Um, I would say I tell people a lot. My TV shows are what keeps me sane. Honestly, it's like, you know, because I have to deal with a lot. I mean, like I said, I have caregivers I have to rely on. Like, that's exhausting in itself. You know, I'm accustomed. Like, I, I like being by myself because I live alone. So I love that because it's like I get that free time and just me. But I tell people all the time if I'm having a down day, feeling sad or I'm in one of my bad moods, like I love watching reality TV. I don't know what I would have done if like I didn't have cable. I watch everything from Netflix to, you know, HBO. I love watching Lifetime movies. And then I love watching like, you know, Jersey Shore, things that are like entertaining. So it was like, I tell people a lot, like watching my TV shows, honestly, is what keeps me sane. I love that. I love that you shared that. I, there's so many things, right? You know, and, and for some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's nature. For some people, it's family. Others, it's creativity. And sometimes it is the guilty pleasures and just the things that entertain us and uplift us. And, and I do the same thing. You know, I have a handful of TV shows that I really love that when I'm in a really down period... I don't always go to that. I'm definitely a nature girl, but it's like, I'm just going to hang out with my favorite people and <laughs> watch yeah. them do their thing. And it just, there's something exactly. about that like that can be <laughs> and nourishing. And I think also, you know, I'm very similar. I live alone and I love my independence and I love being alone. And there's something about that at times. You know, I, I know there's a line somewhere that makes it like that can be unhealthy, but I do think that it can be really great and healthy when it's like it it gives you a sense of connection to other people. I mean, I've heard the same thing actually from, from healers and energy workers and even psychologists that like there's, there's a level of overconsumption, but then there's like with memes, when we watch cute memes of like cats and dogs and little kids, like it does something for our nervous system that is very similar to having people around us. Yes, it is true. I 100% agree. So there's no right, like, on your bad days, you should always do these things, take bubble baths and whatever. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do the things that lift you up. Um, 
what's what's next for you? Like, what are you really excited about? I know you talked about Tommy Hilfiger and things like that and and growing your clothing line and all the things, but share with us what you're looking forward to, what you're excited about. Um, sure. So yes, I'm still looking to build Girls Chronically Rock Empire. I'm hoping, well, I will collaborate with Tommy Hilfiger and I'm hoping to get my line into Target. I have been trying to get in there forever. So, and especially Target recently launched an adaptive clothing collection online. A lot of people don't know that. So I'm like, this will be perfect. I sometimes go into Target and I can see a little section of my my sign, Girls Chronically Rock, and my t-shirts, the adaptive swimwear. So my goal is to hopefully get into not just Target, but maybe Macy's as well and other retail channels. But I am just honestly looking to build that Girls Chronically Rock empire, hopefully get it into fashion shows like New York Fashion Week, LA Fashion Week. I have done Atlanta Fashion Week before. I actually have done that twice, but you know, I, I know LA and New York Fashion Week are a lot bigger. So my goal is to hopefully do those fashion weeks in the near future. But yeah, continue to bring awareness within the disability community and continue to bring that awareness about my mission. And I don't just look at it as a Girls Chronically Rock clothing brand, but a Girls Chronically Rock movement. So yeah, that's my goal. Beautiful. Do you have support in your business? Is it still just you? It's still just me. I don't have any support. I don't have any like interns, any assistants, but I'm hoping when the business does grow and I bring in that revenue that I like, I would like to hire assistants and hire someone that's way more tech savvy than me that can go in and, you know, navigate my website, um, you know, process the orders. They can do all that at their own. I would love to get a warehouse because my apartment is getting crowded with just inventory. So I would like to have that space where I can just, you know, put my T-shirts and kind of have everything kind of more organized. So I'm hoping for that in the near future. I love that. That's amazing. Very exciting and totally doable, you know, and and that's the thing when we set our minds to it and we really organize ourselves around it and we move towards it. And that doesn't mean we don't have doubt. We don't have bad days or times that we just want to like kill it all (laughs) as entrepreneurs. Um, Mm. (laughs) If we're really committed, like it's just amazing what we can make happen. Yeah, it's true. I 100% agree. What is something that you would say to anyone who's going through a challenging chapter or big life transition, something that might have been helpful even for you to have known earlier on, like any pieces of advice or words of wisdom you'd want to leave people with? Um, That's another tough one. I would say. I would tell, like, say, if I knew myself, like tell my able body self back then, like. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to have your obstacles. You're going to realize who your true friends and family members are. But everything's going to be okay. You got this. Just continue to be you, unapologetically you, you know, <laughs> you know, sass and all, but everything will be okay. I that That's something I would tell myself and someone else. I love that. And I think I would, I would add to that from my own, because I have the same thing where it's like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to, everything's going to work out. It might not look anything like you thought your life would or what you think at the beginning, okay and good and fine will look like, but it will like you'll you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll be shaped by everything that you go through. And that doesn't mean that it's like magical and inspiring in the moment. It just means that you eventually come out to some other side and that can be equally, if not more so sometimes as beautiful and magical and fulfilling as what you thought you were going to have. Yeah, it's true. 
I would love if you could share um, where people can find you, how they can purchase your clothing and support your work. And we're also going to okay. include links to everything in the show notes. But yeah. Awesome. Well, you can find me on girlschronicallyrock.com. I am also on Instagram, girlschronically underscore raw. Also on Facebook, girlschronicallyrock. And then my personal page, um, Keisha Graves. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, just um, find me. Send me a message. I would love to hear from you. Girls Chronically Rock. That's where it's at. <laughs> yes. Yay. Keisha, thank you so much for being here and sharing your journey and your incredible work. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being a part of this powerful community of purpose-driven individuals. We have a ton of free resources for you at www.talesfromthejourney.tv free including access to my signature process for how to make the impossible happen, packaged in a simple, easy to follow workbook that you can implement immediately. Whether you're trying to heal in the aftermath of a challenging chapter, working to uncover your purpose, or going after anything else that feels impossible, you'll learn how to take an entirely different kind of action that goes against much of what you've been taught about manifestation and goal achievement. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community. So please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.